What up, what up, what up? Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Hey, I just want to let you know, I know everybody can't always support and donate uh, to the podcast, but hey, if you can do a one-time donation, I put up a buy me a coffee uh, link in this description of the podcast. So if you go to the description of the podcast, it'll be at the bottom, and you can just uh, go to that link and you buy me a cup of coffee, or two if you want. And uh, that would just help support the show, and uh, I can... I can wake up a little bit more and bring you more info so thanks for listening to the podcast if you can donate that would be much appreciated and let's get on to the show what up what up what up welcome back to lockdown universe home of the bizarre peculiar and unheard of stories of ufo legend and paranormal lore welcome back welcome back happy to be back hopefully you guys are doing excellent and taking care of yourselves. So today, I wanted to talk to you guys about a really interesting phenomenon that took place in Alaska. Now, this comes to us from a magazine released in 1978. Uh, a uh, Ideals UFO magazine. Let me see if I got that right. Yep, Ideals UFO magazine, December 1978 edition. That recalls a instance where a Coast Guard uh, teacher, Coast Guard instructor, I should say, navigational instructor, took a few of his friends out in the Alaskan area to, or the Alaskan wilderness, I should say, <laughs> to go on a camping trip. Okay, so this was interior Alaska, not by the ocean. They go on this camping trip and, and you know, they have a good night. They're out hanging out and relaxing, and they go to sleep. Now, the folks that he's with, a few friends are um, geologists that want to go out into the wilderness and take a look and explore, maybe find some good specimens to come back and test, and uh, boy, would they ever. Because Jack Friedman, our protagonist, woke up and uh, woke up before the rest of his party, and again, this is the Coast Guard uh, instructor. He wakes up. He says, I'm going to freshen up a little bit. Let me go down by the uh, the creek. And he goes down and he starts, uh, he starts freshening up in the river. He starts splashing some water on his face and it's still early yet. He looks up and it's, it's early, right? It's, it's early in the morning. He looks up to find 20 to 30 UFO craft that are glowing orange that appear to be about 20 to 30 feet wide. And there's 20 to 30 of them. <laughs> I've never heard of such a group of UFOs together, but again, this is Alaska. And for those of you who don't know, although Alaska, Alaska's landmass is at least one-third of the United States, um, continental, I should say, if you place it over the continental U.S. on a map, it has less than 1 million people. It's got about 768,000 people, I believe, last time I checked. Plus or minus a few 10,000, but it's in, it's in the 700,000s. Which seems really small, considering that many states have at least 5 million people, 10 million people, so on and so forth. Um, across, you know, the Midwest, and then of course you got California, it's got like 50 million or something like that. But, you know, you got a lot of states that have way more, I mean... 
I even know that, you know, Montana's got like 500,000. So for the amount of space that's up there, it's ridiculous to how, how few people there are up there. Nonetheless, he looks up and, and sees these orange craft, and then they disappear. So Jack's freaking out. He runs back to his camp, wakes up everybody, and they trek down to the location where these UFO craft were. Now, they were down a hill in the wooded area a little bit, so they had to hike down just for you know a few minutes to get down to the area where they were located. And what they came across was a large circular area that these crafts seemed to create uh, to press down all of the vegetation in the area. And they said, well, this is interesting. But all around the circular area was none other than a whole bunch of carcasses of different animals. Moose without their antlers or legs. Other specimens without their bodies, body parts cut out. And not to mention the most bizarre of all of this entire story. I mean, there is another part that's bizarre, but this is really bizarre. There was an orca whale, a killer whale, that was hundreds of miles from the ocean in the middle of the forest. How could that be? It's nigh impossible to get these things moved around on a main street, much less out in the middle of a forest where it shouldn't be, hundreds of miles from its natural habitat. All of these creatures had pieces cut out or cut off. None of them had any blood or blood trail or any seeming thought of any scavenger marks on them. Everything was precisely in laser cut. Or what would appear to be laser cut. Now, they took bones from this site, from the orca, from the moose, from, from everything they could take. They took bones from this site. One of the most interesting things they took from this site was many black stones that seemed to appear with different strange markings on them. They took all of these pieces of evidence of this case and began to make their way back towards uh, Canada. As they were making their way back towards Canada, they were stopped at the airport. Not by the military, not by a government agency, but just by a man who had some questions about their particular excursion. He asked them and they answered. He said, you're probably better off not telling anybody about this. It's pretty ridiculous. All the whilst writing down copious amounts of notes of all of the things that they told him about this particular trip. Now, what's even more interesting is, remember those black stones that, that were, they were nicely polished with different markings on them? Didn't seem like they belonged in that area, just seemed very foreign. Well, those stones never made it back to the location they were going. They never made it back. Now, you could say it's part of the cover-up of this particular event, or it could have been an opportunistic jewel thief or stone thief that might have thought that these items were valuable. We don't know. But what we do know is that with all this really bizarre evidence, 
it's evident that something strange happened out there. Now, in a humongous Alaskan <laughs> country, in a countryside, I should say, not country, but countryside, um, country area, uh, you got to wonder, would this be the, the work of some sort of satanic cult? Cutting up all these these beings, these you know, moose and different creatures and an orca whale out in the middle of a forested area that's very difficult to get to? What about the 20 to 30 other humongous craft that were out there when Jack was just freshening up early in the morning? What about the depressed vegetation in the area that spanned a humongous circle? And outside of this circle, creating the circle, were all these carcasses. One would have to imagine that this would not be the case or at least the work of some human hands. This would have to be the work of some high technology that would have the capability of doing so and of bringing a humongous orca whale out into the middle of nowhere. Now we know in the United States that there's many cattle that are mutilated in laser-cut precision and left here to be dropped in their former spaces. We know that humans are abducted and we're brought back alive. It seems interesting that they would be interested in moose, interested in orcas, interested in other animals of Alaska, when not too many individuals live in those locations. The theory about the cows and the cattle mutilations and them being taken and then certain parts of those cattle being incised and then taken uh, by aliens, theoretically, is that one and two and, and multiple individuals have stated that they, the aliens are trying to recreate these cattle for the hybrids that they create. But if that's true, why... Would they be interested in orca whales? We're not known for eating orca whales. Why would they annihilate an orca whale? Why would they cut up a moose? Not too common. I haven't heard of a moose burger. I don't know if Alaskans eat moose. Uh, or any other, you know, larger. They found some bears, too. I forgot to mention that. They found some bears. Now, I do know that there we do use bear hides for carpets and things like that. We do use bear hides for... Uh, and, for, and meat sometimes, but it's not an animal that they would have to recreate in mass for our survivability. Unless there's something within the genetic code of those animals that could lengthen the clones that they are creating um, lifespan, you know, lengthen the lifespan of the clones that they're creating. That's all I can think of. I don't know if it's true, right? These are these are theories, but the story, and when you add up pieces of the story, and you link them up with other pieces of the story, one plus one becomes two, and two plus two becomes four. Sometimes with these stories, two plus two becomes five, six, seven, eight, nine. But a lot of times, these stories corroborate themselves, and I think that's kind of what we're starting to see 
with more and more stories. Now, what's interesting about this case is it is in Alaska. There's another Alaskan case um, and many more Alaskan cases that I want to talk about because apparently Alaska is similar to the Bermuda Triangle. There's a lot of missing aircraft that go uh, go missing. There's a lot of individuals that go missing. However, some of that might be attributed to the fact that there's such a spance of, of land in Alaska and people easily can go missing. Uh, just like the story of uh, Chris McCandless, uh, who who wrote, who had a book written about him, Into Thin Air, and then the movie uh, was made about him as well. Uh, so, fascinating stuff. I'll bring more to the podcast. I will I will discuss it. I will try to link the stories together, and see if we can come to some cohesive, uh, you know, ideas to what's going on up there. Where does the triangle start? Where does it end? We'll get into that into another podcast. But in the meantime, think about this. Why would that orca be there? Why would there be 20 to 30 aircraft there? Is there a base in Alaska? It is. It has been said by a few individuals, a few abductees, including Ingo Swan, who worked for the government, who stated he was brought to Alaska and saw a craft on a lake in Alaska right in front of his face who was taking water and then I believe he stated it went into the water. Is it possible that these 20 or 30 craft that Jack saw way back in the 70s were simply going outside of the base collecting specimens and then going back into the base? Or were they going off into a mothership going off into space? So many questions, not enough answers, but I will leave it to you to chew on and think about. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. I'm enjoying bringing it to you. I hope you guys are taking care of your physical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health. Continue to have that white light, that positivity around you. Have a glow around you. Have positivity. Bring positivity to your communities. It's the only way we're going to ascend. I hope you guys continue to follow through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams. Those, those are the only ways we're going to ascend too. And as always, continue to question the universe around you. I wish you nothing but the best, love and light, and lockdown universe out.